Good afternoon, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ahead of the Crypto Curve, where we are creating Satoshi Millionaires, one family at a time, one day at a time, one Bitcoin at a time, and ladies and gentlemen, oh, we forgot our Satoshis, one Satoshi at a time, and ladies and gentlemen, that means that means you. I am your host, Naja Roberts, and it is my mission in life to lead to lead my people out. When we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing the conversation. This is KBLA Talk 1580. In a moment, more with Naja Roberts as we get ahead of the crypto curve on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. So you all know that I, I I know somebody's looking at my computer watching what I'm going to tell you all today. So hold on to your seats because I got some great information. And you know what we are going to do? We're going to actually take this time and go all the way through to the middle of the hour break. And so we're going to just make sure that you get this information. And I'm smiling because I have so much good information to give you today. And I know that they know that. And so we're going to continue this party uh, and as I was saying, uh, we are just going to show you not to just look at money and look at how money is going to change your world, but you need to look at everything else around you because it absolutely matters. Ladies and gentlemen, today is Friday, August 25th, 2023, and we have several Cryptopian celebrities who have birthdays today, and I'm excited about them. I'm excited about this information and I just cannot wait. But I want to say happy birthday first and foremost to Sarita Brooks of Ackworth, Georgia. And happy birthday to Michael Kamen from San Bernardino, California. Happy birthday to Zachary Muhammad from Memphis, Tennessee. And happy birthday to De- Deborah Wilson of Detroit, Michigan. And again, to each and every one of you, I say happy birthday. May your day be filled with all the love, joy, peace, happiness, and understanding. You deserve on this day your birthday. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get a shout-out for your birthday, please do me a favor and send me a text message to 424-317-7373. Again, 424-317-7373. And if you are listening to me today, I think it would be a good idea for you to reach out and tell a friend or a family member to tune in today because I've got some great information, specifically if you're banking with Wells Fargo and some of these other institutions. And like I said, we're going to go all the way through, so get your pen and your paper ready. We are going to have a conversation. I'm going to go ahead and start this show with a quote for the day. And this quote is by a gentleman by the name of Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker says, The ultimate resource in economic development is people. It is people, not capital or raw materials that develop an economy. Peter Drucker. And I absolutely love that quote. And because something's been bothering me over the last couple of days, you see our president, President Biden, went over uh, into Maui last week. He interrupted his vacation up in Tahoe. Uh, to really go to Miami, I mean to Maui, and really show his support for the Hawaiians who actually lost everything in this fire. Now, at the time of me um, actually sitting down and thinking about what I was going to say about this, 115, 115 people have actually perished, and there's still about 850 people missing. 
based on the reports. And then the images that I keep seeing that come out of Maui look like a real live war zone. And then I'm looking at, of course, the affluent houses who didn't get touched, but that's a whole nother conversation. And then I'm listening and I hear Biden make a joke about hot boots. And I'm thinking, did he really just say hot boots? Like that was the most tasteless thing that he could have said in this type of a situation. But again, not being political, I don't care about a political party. We're talking about, at this point, just the facts, what was said. And so he made a joke about these hot boots. And when he left Hawaii, I was absolutely on the floor when I heard that he was extending an offer of $700 to those families that were affected by the fire. Now, ladies and gentlemen, some of you that have been following and listening to me know that I was affected by a a, a situation with a house earlier this year. And that situation in and of itself, and we still have all our belongings and our and everything that, that we need and all of those things, and the offer of $7 almost brought tears to my eyes because at the current inflation rate, ladies and gentlemen, that might be two trips to a grocery store and maybe a tank of gas, but that is about it. But on the flip side of that, we sent $90 billion to Ukraine. So I'm really confused about why Americans will get $700 in a disaster that has taken everything that they own, that they love, and all of these things. And it's really something that didn't sit well with me. And the events on this Ukraine battlefield and this scorched earth in Maui just really unfold while our economy is going through some major problems. And China's economy also is beginning to experience some troubles as well. And they're still in a sprint, ladies and gentlemen, to unseat the U.S. dollar reserve currency. And the reason why we need to keep our eye on this is because they're watching what we do as far as our people are concerned here in America, as far as our politics, our politicians are concerned here in America. And what I do see is weaker trade. I see slowing domestic spending. I see deepening uh, property sector crises. We talked about commercial real estate. We talked about residential and who actually owns it and why the price of rent is going to continue to raise higher. We know about deflation. We know about inflation. We know about stagflation. We've learned about all of these things. And we also know, ladies and gentlemen, about our weaker currency. And Newsweek, for those of you who like to fact check and everything that I say, I'm pulling from a reputable source. Newsweek says, together with high youth unemployment and the contributing to the current troubles in the country's economy, we are in trouble. And so I am not the only town crier around here. It looks like I'm mostly the only town crier in our community, but other communities are getting the memo and they're doing what they need to do. And to be quite honest, we really don't know exactly when this thing is going to come, but troubling times are ahead. And the fact that they only gave the people in Hawaii are offered of $700, it doesn't necessarily speak to um, I, I don't want to say speak to his character about what's important, but it may actually speak to what is actually available in the economy for them to actually help that community in Maui. And so we really have to understand, and my whole takeaway from that 
is when something catastrophic happens in our communities moving forward, Ukraine will get the money, but I guarantee you that nobody is coming to save us. And in that same respect, we have got to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that we are doing what we need to sustain ourselves and to sustain our communities and to sustain our families and our friends and all of those around us because we do know that troubling times are ahead. So let's just get back into um, kind of just getting back into what I was saying. I started out the week talking about different com- countries that were starting to say that they're no longer going to be uh, exporting and sending goods over to America. And some of the things really don't sound like a big deal, but I needed you all to understand that there is actually a strategy or a system that has been in place for years, and it's called Just In Time. They call it JIT. So when you're listening to the news or when you're listening to uh, other people, economists talk, they may just say the word JIT. And just so you know what JIT stands for, it stands for Just In Time. It's actually a real strategy by which supply chain partners move materials right before they're needed because they don't want to store them they don't want to stockpile them, and they're trying to reduce storage costs. So it results in little or no inventory or stockpiling or any of those things. So just in time, along with lean supply chains, is what we've always, that's always been the strategy to cut down. But people have what they call just-in-time supply chains because they know that there's more to come. Well, because of the uh, weather patterns, uh, the the droughts, and all of the things that are coming along, people or countries are realizing that that just-in-time supply chain needs to be held on by them in the event that there is an economic downturn. And so what they're opting to do is hold on to their just-in-time supply chain and make sure that their countries are good with the things that they're actually exporting. So, number one, some of them are stopping exporting with the United States because they know how the United States is actually working or what they're working on, and so they're holding off on their resources. And other ones are just saying, hey, you know what, we need to have what we need for our people before we make sure that the people in the United States have what they need. And so... These supply chains have been considered to be smart supply chain strategies. Um, And so we saw the first disruption that hit the supply chains in 2020. Many enterprises came to a grinding halt with very tight inventory and nothing to actually stockpile. But future-looking enterprises have started moving and are realizing that we're in the same situation or we're going to be in the same situation as when COVID hit. And because of that, they're starting to decrease what they're actually sending out of their countries. So whatever we can do right now to get ourselves first and foremost in our households together and what we can do to really make sure that in the event there is a supply chain crisis in the very near future, that we're okay. And this supply chain is really going to experience some volatility. So let me just say this really quickly, because I've never really 
Uh, I mean, I've stated a couple of things and what we need to do and how we uh, really need to groove and what we need to have in our possession. But one of the things that I've never talked to you all about that my husband and I do, and I want to share the information today, um, we, we always talk about the fact that we're buying gold a little less of silver because of the amount of silver you need that equals up to gold and what you got to carry and those sorts of things. And you all know that I'm always an advocate in the digital asset space for buying Bitcoin. And I've been talking about having enough food on hand to last at least three months, if you can. Uh, a little bit here and a little bit there every single month until you have at least three months on hand of non-perishable goods. But ladies and gentlemen, one of the other things that I have failed to mention to you all is that we store medicine. Now, contrary, and I know we got some doctors and some nurses listening, and I'm going to just keep it 100 as far, and I'm, I'm not a medical doctor and I don't know anything, but one of the things that we do for our friends and family is store medications. Now, I'm not talking about critical medications like anything that has to do with, I don't know, anybody's particular ailments, but I'm talking about like asthma medicine for, for, you know, just for an example. Now, my husband has asthma, one of, uh, several of my children have asthma, and whether I need the renewal or not, I, and again, this may be gray area, but I'm not afraid to say it because your friends and family are going to need you. What we do is we go ahead and refill those medications on a regular basis. I do it like clockwork. Whether I need the medication or not, I actually stockpile it. And I'm going to tell you, I am very happy to say that I've been able, or we were in just the last couple of weeks, were in a position where we were able to help someone in our family that needed a sleep apnea machine. Now, my sleep apnea machine, I utilize it. But when Kaiser upgraded, they gave me a new one, and I didn't just throw the old one away. I kept it, and that may be consider hoarding, but I knew for some reason that somebody might need that, med that, that machine. And it, come, it turned out that my nephew or my husband's nephew needed $1,200 to buy this machine, and they just didn't have it. They're working. They're trying to make ends meet. They didn't have it. And so it just was a blessing to be able to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, I have to share with you that you are um, going to absolutely probably in the next two to three years, even five, have to help somebody in your family that cannot afford a medication or there's going to be something that they need that you might be able to give to them. And we've got to start thinking out of the box and thinking into the future. So when I am saying what I'm saying about stockpiling of food, I'm also telling you add to your list the storage of medications. And I started out saying I'm not a medical doctor or a nurse, but I am one of those individuals that believe that that expiration date is there to make you buy more. In the most part, I'm not saying go two or three years, but if it expires in June, it's not like you got to throw it in the trash in July. But that's me. And again, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not providing medical advice and I'm not advocating for you to give any uh, life threatening type of medications to your friends and family. But if somebody does have asthma and you just happen to have an extra inhaler, that is a great thing, ladies and gentlemen. And I am telling you that our families are, are going to need for those of us that are listening to this show, that are preparing for what is ahead to be available and have those things available if our family is in a position where they need it. And I have no absolutely no shame in my game in saying that we collect medications 
so that if our families need them, they can utilize them. And we've been doing this probably for the last five years. And so, and it's not because, you know, people don't have good jobs and they don't have uh, access to, to, to the pharmacy. It's that their co-pays are ridiculous. And the things that they're having to pay for, if we're able to assist in just a little bit, if we can save somebody in our family $80, that's more food that they can put on their table. That's more gas that they can put in their tank. That's more of, of some of the necessities that they need. And so I just wanted to share that. But you know what else I'm, I'm thinking about? And, and this comes from just being in the community and around. And I am not an advocate at all about what I'm about to say to you. But I really think I have, I'm on to something. I actually started purchasing cigarettes and liquor. Now, that may sound crazy to you, but I really feel like in some of the circles that I'm in, when this thing goes down, what are we going to be able to barter? What are we are going to be, other than gold and Bitcoin and silver and maybe the food on hand, what are we going to be able to barter with? And again, I'm not an advocate for smoking and I'm not an advocate for drinking. But what I do know is during COVID, as I looked at the numbers as to what people bought the most of during COVID, it happened to be cigarettes and booze, whether they could afford it or not. And I'm not talking about selling it in my community specifically. I'm talking about bartering with those people that may have some things that we actually need and want. And so I started thinking about what else I could use instead of walking into a place, pulling out a silver or gold coin and saying, hey, um, can we barter? Can we trade for goods and services? And so I'm really right now, ladies and gentlemen, thinking outside of the box. And if we look back, unfortunately, at where a lot of our communities, both black and brown, have wound up, it has been in the system where they've had to barter with cigarettes and not necessarily booze, maybe some top ramen or something like that. But, you know, I really started thinking this may be a good thing that we can hold on to, not necessarily as a store of value, because when things get hard and grimy, People will pay more for things that they would never pay for before, and we may have an opportunity to uh, utilize this as bartering. And so I've always told you, of course, to have enough cash or hide enough cash around to really get you through a few months if the banks are not available, if the ATMs are not available. And again, always stick with friends and family who are like-minded and know exactly what the plan is. And you got to get a plan together because it's coming. And in that same vein, let me say to you, ladies and gentlemen, this again, when we read the headlines and we're listening to these things, we think that they do not matter to us. But Wells Fargo, ladies and gentlemen, just got dinged by the SEC. This is fresh. This is new. They have overcharged 11,000. Um, they have overcharged 11,000 investment advisory accounts. Now, I'm talking to a lot of you who may bank with Wells Fargo, may have a Wells Fargo investment advisory account. They've overcharged you $27 million in fees. And remember, I was speaking to you all about being a financial advisor, as I used to be, and I'm not anymore on purpose. I was talking to you about the fees and the things that they make based on the amount of money that they can get you to put into those accounts. 
But not only do they get paid day in and day out, and again, every single Sunday, I get a notification of monies that was placed in my account from when we used to be financial advisors, from stuff I did 10, 15 years ago that I'm still getting paid on today. That's how financial advisors make their money. And again, no slight to them. This is the way the industry has been working. But how dare them overcharge people $27 million in fees? And you know what they did with the $27 million? They went out and did some investing in some of these companies and some of this commercial real estate that's not doing well. And ladies and gentlemen, with them having to pay this uh, money back that the SEC is giving them in civil penalties may not be a big deal. It may not seem like a big deal to you, ladies and gentlemen. But where do you think they're going to get it from? They're going to come back and get it from those individuals who have Wells Fargo's account, Fargo accounts, and they may just uptick your interest rate or something or all of the interest rates on some of the products and services that they're selling moving forward. They've got to get the money from somewhere because a lot of them, including Wells Fargo, have overspent on investments and investments that are not coming back and yielding what they thought they would. So regularly say that Wells Fargo neither um, agrees or denies, or I should say they're not admitting or denying the SEC charges. They're just saying that they have uh, and will pay back account holders. So if you are an account holder at Wells Fargo that had an investment advisory account, I suggest you today reach out and find out who you need to talk to about getting your fair share of your money back because you were overcharged. All 11,000 investment accounts that they have have been overcharged. And ladies and gentlemen, newsflash, unless you take control of your finances and you pay attention to your statements, this is going to happen over and over and over again. Now, the only reason that this was brought to light because there's people that open up their statements and pay attention. But how many of you listening today have still not done what I asked you to do? And that's pull out your statements, open them up, see what's happening in them. See if you can actually log into them on the computer. See if you can actually withdraw funds. Not that you have to withdraw funds, but make sure that you've done everything in your power to be able to get access to that money if you need to. And so today's enforcement by the SEC and their action underscores the need for firms uh, growing their businesses through acquisition uh, to ensure that their growth does not come at an expense of client protection. And while they're all over the top of the people that are in the cryptocurrency space, they need to be doing it right there with those regular bankers because the SEC uh, is showing us today in this statement that it's not just uh you know, it's not just the cryptocurrency sector, it's the banking sector as well, as well that is taking um, advantage of those who are not paying attention, and it is at your expense. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will continue this conversation when we come forward after news, sports, and traffic. We will talk about a little bit more of what you need to know. I am super excited about being here today to make sure that you get this information so you have something to research over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ahead of the Crypto Curve on KBLA Talk 1580. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. So I just want to 
wrap this up by just saying, you know, each nation, as we are looking around the globe, is actually moving into more of a protectionism type of situation. And so we need to protect what we have. And a lot of them are moving into these silos, and they are opposed to being in in this consortium of global cooperation. So it's not a great trend, and we know as the world becomes more centralized and as trade begins to change more and more, we have got to look out for ourselves. And I was doing a little bit of research here, and, and most of us, or some of us, I won't say all of us have iPhones, but iPhones, ladies and gentlemen, just so you understand how crazy this is going to get, has parts from six different continents, not one or two continents, six different continents. Now, most of us use our iPhones every single day, and we see these six continents having what I was talking about with some of those just-in-time supply chain problems. But as it breaks down with this global trade and things of that sort, just the basic necessity that we have become so dependent on can become an issue, and it is, and they can become more expensive. So our selection of goods and services goes down to um, what we know we need right now, and what we need, know that we need for the very, very near future. And so, in my opinion, you know, that's a big deal. Uh, cell phones have become a lot more than, you know, a lot of people think about. And even just in my household, thinking about the fact that if this iPhone goes down or if it breaks or something like that, yes, we can run and right now we can get it fixed. But if these parts come from six different continents, not countries, but continents, uh, we are going to be in a situation where we really, really need uh, we need to pay attention and really make sure that we have everything that we need in order. And so that being said, um, I wanted to share with you what I was talking about, about the United States needing uh, uranium and gallium. And what do they need it for? Well, it turns out they need it for all of the ease. EV, which are the electric electric vehicles um, that are going to be uh, coming out. And so, you know, you see a lot of new EV vehicles, especially here in California, they're starting to ramp up because they're stating that by a certain year, no car dealer can sell a car unless it is an electric, electric vehicle. And so um, what do we do? Uh, what are we going to do if countries have stopped? allowing us to actually get those items imported. And they're banning the export of some of their goods and their minerals, and they're banning uh, lithium. And it's just it's something to just really see uh, as a big problem. And, again, it's not going to hit us immediately, but it is definitely going to have an effect on us at some point. And I know that stockpiling and getting ready for some of the crises that are coming along are not going to help us with our cell phones, but just how dependent we have gotten on these cell phones. We do everything from banking on our cell phones to even uh, yesterday doing children's homework, right? Looking up the dictionary on the cell phone because no longer do we have encyclopedia Britannica's like my grandmother had on the shelf. Those things are, are, are gone. 
And so as our children are using technology, we've got to look at all of these things in the supply chain as a threat to uh, our democracy and us being able to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish because they're starting to dry up and nobody is actually talking about it. So I'm not suggesting you stockpile cell phones or anything of that sort. And I don't think that there's much that we could do about it. But again, I say to you, as I say every day at the beginning of the show, I want to change not just the way you look at money, but the way you look at everything around you because it absolutely matters. It absolutely matters that they have now stopped allowing us to get the resources that we need that are in uh, some of the cell phones, some of the uh, electronic vehicles, because if, if, if there's going to be, there's going to come a day when we're going to need those things. And so what do we do in the meantime? Again, we get ourselves self-sovereign because I won't need to use my cell phone so much to do banking if I'm owning and controlling my own money. I won't need to use my cell phone so much to find out which grocery store has chicken or eggs or who still has stuff on the shelf because I have done those things myself. And thanks be to God that we're starting to find the different regions in the world where we need to be in order to make sure that we are able to have access to the natural resources that we need. And I'm not saying permanently, but temporarily. And if you need to get in that car and drive over the border, you can do those things because you have planned properly, ladies and gentlemen. I really believe that this is an uncomplicated situation if we start planning right now. And so that being said, we are going to jump into our cryptocurrency side on ahead of the crypto curve and um, and just let you all know right now where we are with the market. So Bitcoin right now is trading at $26,007. It just in the last hour went back up over 26 because when I first looked at it, when the show started, we were in the red. But it's up 0.20% in the last hour. It's down in the last uh, 24 hours, 0.10%. In the last seven days, it's down 0.64%. Ethereum is trading at $1,646. It is up in the last hour, 0.06%. And it is down in the last 24 hours, 0.28%. And in the last seven days, it is down 0.28%. 96%. And as I look at all of the other cryptocurrencies on CoinMarketCap, I see a couple that are all green all the way across, and I'll talk to you about why that is in just a few. Um, but I'm seeing the other, what we call altcoins, alternatives to Bitcoin, and an altcoin is anything other than Bitcoin. Um, and I see a lot of them are still green in the last hour and down in the last uh, two uh, categories. Um, but there are some things that are going on in the space that you need to know about and why there is an uptick in some of the altcoins that we uh, have seen and that we know. And the, what has happened is XRP, Shiba Inu, and Bitcoin uh, adoption actually skyrockets as a partnership emerges. So according to what I read this morning on Binance's blog, and Binance is another cryptocurrency exchange, a place where you go and exchange your fiat dollar for any type of cryptocurrency. Binance has their an exchange just like our exchange, Crypto Blockchain Plug. Uh, but Binance is, uh, is saying that they're introducing Binance Pay, which is a payment solution market. 
Now, why is this a big deal? Binance Pay will allow the country of the people in, in Brazil, their merchants will be able to provide a new alternative for payments that can attract new customers and boost adoption of the major cryptocurrencies. They're calling major cryptocurrencies, but I don't think that Shiba Inu is a major cryptocurrency. Uh, but they said Shiba Inu, XRP, and Bitcoin. And the Brazilian government uh, is okay with it. In the Brazilian debut of Binance Pay, started by establishing partnerships with Wheel Games, and that's W-E-O Games. And, of course, you know the gaming industry is really big on different type of cryptocurrencies. And it's the first gaming platform in Latin America to accept cryptocurrency payments. So this is a big deal. And if they're accepting cryptocurrency payments, you may possibly see Shiba Inu go up, as well as XRP, as well as Bitcoin, because this pushes or this is a step towards mass adoption. When we come forward, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue the conversation. This is KBLA Talk 1580. All right. All right. Welcome forward. So I want to share something that I can't help laughing at every time I see it. And I know you all have seen it by now. And it's the mugshot of uh, President Donald Trump. And how does this fit into the cryptocurrency space, ladies and gentlemen? Again, I just could not stop laughing the first time I saw it yesterday because I said, this dude right here, this dude right here is a piece of work. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? President Donald Trump's, ex-president Donald Trump's digital card has been fueling an NFT, a non-fungible token sale that jumped 426% in the last 24 hours. Ladies and gentlemen, the cryptocurrency space is different. People are making money in so many crazy different ways, but this one right here literally gives some money to support his legal charges So, or his legal woes. So let me just say this. After this mugshot of the 45th United States President Donald Trump was actually snapped at the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta, the, his NFT trading card sales skyrocketed. So just so you know, this is going to benefit him. So do not run out and buy it. Uh, people may not know or people do know. But CryptoSlam.io is where, they, where I got this data. It shows a whopping 426% surge in his digital asset card sales in just 24 hours. This saga began, uh, of course, you know, I don't even have to tell you how the saga began, but let me just tell you what it has yielded in one day. Um, the release of this mugshot has notably uh, buoyed the sale of his NFT cards on this platform that I just mentioned, and it has amassed $34,000 and 108 transactions in just one single day. Ladies and gentlemen, it hasn't even been 24 hours, and they have collected $34,000 from a non-fungible token for Donald Trump. And this is, I don't even know where this thing is going, but these NFTs, um, since he started this, 
And and this is what we need to know. And I don't necessarily want people to do this in our community because I don't want them to waste money or lose money because we don't. But they figured out how to do this to actually pay for a lot of the legal challenges that they're facing. They've garnered to date $20.68 million from 47,000 transactions. Now, some of these transactions can be uh, transactions that people have done, maybe two or three transactions, but 47,000 transactions have given them $20.68 million. And right now they can collectively say that they have 14,000 solid enthusiasts who now own at least one Trump digital card. And the average ownership um, duration is about 19 days. So that means they're even selling or bartering or trading using these particular cards. And they have figured out how to have an ecosystem going. And then they've got 14,000 more that are wallet holders and about 8,900 that have acquired uh, a different set of Trump NFTs. And there's another 8,800 that have offloaded theirs since the collection, uh, since the inception of the collection. And so despite facing multiple indictments, Trump is an unwavering uh, person in his political aspirations to contend for the United States general election. And so he's voices concerns, of course, about the current administration and how it's handling things in the nation. We've got uh, that song that I played a couple of days ago. I don't care if you're white, black, brown, whatever. Uh, people are really stepping up and saying, we're feeling this right now in our community. I didn't even know when I played the song a couple of days how people were really gravitating to that song until I looked on social media yesterday to show my husband what I had played on the radio, only to find out that this guy's song is trending and everybody everywhere in the United States is saying, hey, this really applies to us. We are sick and tired. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are sick and tired, you have got to do something. And at this point, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that is why I chose to get into the decentralized finance space. I really truly wholeheartedly feel it is going to be one of the only ways that we close the wealth gap in America. Now, again, we got to have four diversified types of things going on at the same time, but our first step is continuing the dollar cost average on a daily basis. And I don't care where you get it. I do care how you get it, get it uh, rightfully so, but I want to make sure that each and every one of you are still realizing that one monkey does not stop a show. We have got to continue to dollar cost average day in, day out until this thing really comes to a head. It's almost like, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm using all these analogies because these these analogies really help me understand what we've got to be doing. You know how when you first get a pimple or a zit on your face, you can't actually see it, but it hurts. It hurts to the touch. You can actually push it. And you can push your skin and you can feel, you can't even feel anything under there. Sometimes you just know something is coming. 
And then you just watch it and you see it. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are in that beginning pimple or zit stage where you can't feel it, you can't see it, but you can feel it. It hurts. You know it's about to form. Something is coming, and it's not any in a, any. You're not going to be in any position to pop it or get the pus out or do whatever it is that you do for for your your pimples or your zits. But just know that it is under the skin, and you can feel it. It's coming. So we've got to really continue to talk about self-sovereignty, not just in the crypto space, in the digital asset space, but all the other asset classes. Diversification is absolutely key. So ladies and gentlemen, when we come forward, we will continue the conversation. This is KBLA Talk 1580. You're linked to the Midday Money Chain with Lynn Richardson and Naja Roberts exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. All right. Welcome forward. Welcome forward. Here comes another uh, news flash. The company Curve Finance. I'm not sure if anybody has any stable coins. Stable coins are supposed to be stable, uh, and they're supposed to be on one of the uh, DeFi platforms. And I told you all I have had so many horror stories. I have stayed away from providers uh, where... You know, they don't allow you to take your money out for a certain amount of time. But Curve Finance is one of the largest liquidity providers in DeFi and the decentralized finance space, especially for stable coins. And over the weekend, ladies, and over the last week, uh, there was a hack that took place in the project. And it's led to sharp declines in both the total amount of funds that are deposited and the price of their particular cryptocurrency. So you may have given them your Bitcoin and they gave you something called CRV, which is their token that's used to facilitate the transaction on their protocol. With them getting hacked, that money is no longer there. And again, if you leave your monies, your Bitcoin, your your CRV, your Ethereum on different platforms, if they get hacked, your money and things go with it. So, again, if you are on Curve Finance or if you are a part of Curve Crypto Finance, C-U-R-V, you need to go and check on your cryptocurrency. You need to go check on your account, and you need to go see if your cryptocurrency is safe. Uh, that being stated, ladies and gentlemen, we will continue to update you as we get updates on all the different platforms that are struggling right now. Uh, Justin Sun, who is a crypto uh, I don't know what to call them, uh, a crypto mong- mongol, uh, a mogul, excuse me, not a mongol, mogul. Uh, he's actually stepped in to help over, um, he's stepped in to help over there. And we don't know exactly what is going to happen or if uh, Curve is going, if he's going to help Curve after he looks at his, at, looks at their books to see if he can step in and assist. He may, and I think all eyes are watching to see what he's going to do, whether or not Curve is going to come out with flying colors. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank each and every one of you for rocking with me today here on the head of the Crypto Curve. And I have to say a happy birthday to my cousin, Antoine Smith, today, which is his birthday. This may be the first time he listened to my show but happy birthday, Antoine. Uh, and I want to make way for the D.L. Hughley Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are creating Satoshi Millionaires as we continue to dollar cost average one day at a time, one family at a time, 
one Bitcoin at a time, one Satoshi at a time. And ladies and gentlemen, that means you.